to Pro Bono Perspectives, live from Brooklyn, where the city never sleeps and purpose is more than just a buzzword. Pro Bono Perspective brings together leaders that have traveled across sectors, industries, and experiences on their path to creating change for the communities in which they live and work. And I'm your host, Danielle Holly, CEO of Common Impact, a national nonprofit that designs skills-based volunteer programs that amplify the impact of social change organizations by harnessing the talents and skills of private sector employees. I am lucky enough to cross paths with these leaders every day through my work with Common Impact and can't wait to bring you behind the scenes to share their stories. Hi, everyone. This is Danielle Holly here, the CEO of Common Impact, and I am joined here today by Dr. Harriet Harrell, the Executive Director of Leadership Fort Worth, which is a nonprofit that is among the oldest community leadership development programs in the nation. Harriet has acquired expertise in organizational effectiveness, leadership development, not small things through her experience working in not only the nonprofit sector, but also the public and corporate sector. So she is the poster child of who we're trying to showcase on this Pro Bono Perspectives podcast. Under Harriet's leadership, Leadership Fort Worth's programs develop promising and diverse people for leadership roles, enabling the community to plan for the future. And Common Impact has had the pleasure of partnering with Harriet and her team uh, over the years and have worked on five skills-based volunteer opportunities together that have been focused in the technology space. Thank you so much, Harriet, for joining me today. I'm delighted to have this opportunity. Thank you. So let's start at the foundation. What motivates you and drives you in this work every day? You know, I I often say when people ask me what I think about working with Leadership Fort Worth is that I get to work with what I think are just the best people in town because they are people who've made a commitment to community, to making the place they live a better place for everybody. And that um, that provides a lot of joy and a lot of positive energy. One of the quotations that I particularly like comes from Frederick Buechner, who said, vocation is the place where our deep gladness meets the world's deep need. And I think I get to have that that connection and that joy to feel that I'm doing something that's worthy with people who are a part of that same kind of effort. And activating them. And I think there's a lot of power in that. I think about uh, particularly in the social sector, there are very limited focus because there are very limited funds on leadership development and really giving these incredibly passionate, hardworking, these smart individuals the tools, the skills that they need to do their jobs really effectively. So it's an incredibly powerful mission. It is. It's, it's exciting. And, and one of the wonderful things is to see over and over uh, an individual in the class who suddenly encounters something that they did not even know about their community or some effort that is happening that 
resonates with them or an opportunity for a career change that gives them the chance to move out of something that's just work into something that is a mission. And that's wonderful to get to see as well. So how did you arrive in this position? You know, I think a lot of people would will hear about your role and your experience and your work on this podcast. And I know I'm certainly in this crew and are envious of your role and what you get to do every day. It, it just sounds really exciting and rewarding and would love to hear what brought you here. Well, you know, it's a good question. I, I can't. I certainly didn't start out in college saying, this is what I want to do. I've just kind of encountered things that I've had the opportunity to respond to. I would say in college, the thing that was um, most inspirational to me, I, I intended to go to law school, but I had the opportunity to go to a leadership development retreat between my sophomore and junior year. And it just... It just said to me, this is what I want to do. It was uh, focused on how we work with other, with other people, how we work in groups to make decisions, how we deal with conflict, what different kinds of leadership styles we might use. And I loved it. And so I changed my goals at that point from law school to wanting to get a PhD uh, in communication, uh, specifically in those kinds of areas. And fortunately had that opportunity to do that and completed that degree. And my thought was that I'd be a professor and I would get to teach this to people. And I did that for a while and enjoyed it. Um, but I am married to a wonderful man who is a journalist and his career meant uh, needing to move from place to place. Hmm. I've said all along, we, we always stayed longer than he wanted to in a place and we moved sooner than I wanted to. <laughs> so it meant having to kind of reinvent myself periodically. Um, and uh, at a time when we were living in Jacksonville, Florida, there was not at that time a university program that that was my you know, that was a degree granting program in my field. And so I decided to just sort of do consulting work and um, started that kind of effort working with nonprofit organizations and got some training on board governance and got to do training for boards and began to get involved in that part of the community. And at that time, this may be a longer story than you want to hear, but my husband was city editor of the newspaper and he came home one day and he said, we've got to go to this thing. There's this program called Leadership Jacksonville and the newspaper's going to make me do it. So we have to go to this dinner. So we went to the dinner where they did an orientation about what the program was about. And I literally sat there thinking, I want to do this. And I didn't mean wanted to be in the class I wanted to run the thing <laughs> <laughs> and um, had the wonderful opportunity to get to know the executive director of that program well she was just as gracious and wonderful as she could be and she even hired me 
um, contracted with me to do some of the training work, even the very year that my husband was in the program. And so I began to get involved at a deeper level in that uh, uh, program. And a colleague of, of mine and I then developed a um, opening retreat program for community leadership um, organizations. And we began to travel around the Southeast doing that. And so I, all the time I was still doing consulting work, but um, working with these leadership organizations was just great fun. So when we moved to Fort Worth, that was the first contact I made was with Leadership Fort Worth. And once again, found a, a gracious, wonderful, hospitable executive director who uh, let me get involved with the program here. And ultimately she retired and I, by that time, had started a firm here, and the uh, Board of Leadership Fort Worth asked if I would take this on as a, a contract, and I've been doing it ever since. What a story. What a story. And, you know, looking at something and saying, I want to lead that thing, and now you lead that thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been great fun. Very cool. And how has you described you've not only been in many sectors in your career, but in many places and regions and types of people and types of communities. How do you use and pull on that experience of those different types of work, people, et cetera, uh, in your in your day to day? How does that help you and serve you? Just all the time. I am so grateful that I've had the opportunity to live in different parts of the country because it has, one, um, demonstrated clearly what good people there are across all of the regions of this country. And because I get to learn from different perspectives, community leadership programs are all about that. We very um, strategically and systemically recruit as diverse a group of people as we can for each of our programs, because it is through that diversity of experience and perspective and expertise that you can look at what's happening in a community and make good decisions. All of us function within our silos, whatever those are, professionally, um, even sometimes within our volunteer areas, our geographical neighborhoods, whatever. Uh, and it, you have to push yourself to get out of that. So um, these community uh, programs do that. It's our goal to push people out of their comfort zones and help form relationships with people they would never have gotten to know before. I think that point is so important is we think a lot about the cross-sector leadership competency at Common Impact, right? How do you bring different worlds together, different people together, and move towards a shared goal with your different expertise, skill sets, perspectives? And one of the dimensions that can be the hardest to wrap your arms around is not that you are free of siloed or single world thinking, but that you can recognize it and transcend it in moments that you need to and to have that and bring that and share that with others and know that 
uh, it's it can be a real struggle because of course we all have the two eyes that we view the world with and our lens, but knowing that that is not necessarily the right lens uh, is an important part of leadership in general, but specifically when you're working across different groups of people and really trying to develop people. You have something very important to contribute, but you don't have everything that's needed. Right. And recognizing that can make all the difference. When you talk to aspiring leaders, what is the key piece of advice or the core tenet that you keep coming back to? What do you what do you start with when you're thinking about developing leadership in this space? I think one of the most important things is to respect other people, to not be afraid of conflict or difference. Um, a difference of opinion doesn't mean anything except you got two good different perspectives to look at. And if you can learn to respect the other, whatever the other is in your situation. It might be a competitor. It might be um, some, uh, you know, department with a different goal, or there's there's a limited pot of money or resources, and somehow you have to work out how to navigate all that. If you can, if you can respect the other and begin to understand where you might have common goals and not just competing goals, um, often so much more can be accomplished. We talk about um, the, the model of leadership that we endorse, uh, we call community trusteeship, which means um, respecting the whole, that what might be good for one segment of a, of a community or an organization uh, if it if it hurts another segment is not good for the whole. And so that philosophy to help us really reach out, um, care about those differences, listen, understand them and try to work to find some kind of common ground. So I know that, or at least in my experience, when you as a leader are training people or providing advice to folks that are earlier in their career, often pulling not just on what you're reading, but your own experiences and where you've stumbled and where you've been successful and would love to hear how you pull from your own experiences. When you look back at your career, what have been those moments you have said, yep, I'm getting this right uh, and I'm doing it. And what are those moments on the other side? Oh, I, I wish I had done that differently. Or that was a challenge, a hurdle that I wish I saw coming. And how'd you get over that? Uh, I, I think um, I'm, I'm very glad that my um, interest from the very beginning, I guess, was in the area of communication because that's you know, from majoring in college and on, that's been my focus. And it has been the framework through which I've looked at leadership. And um, so some of those, those just strategies and tools for good commu 
organization really are the strategies and tools for good management and have been what has um, uh, been helpful to me as I've been facilitating groups. And I guess, you know, trying to think back on something that I thought was particularly helpful or beneficial or worked. Um, I had I had a really interesting experience a few years ago to work with the, uh, it was a summit that met annually of deans of students in universities and the heads of national fraternities and sororities. And, you know, there's some inherent conflict there um, over who gets to make the choices, who has control over whom, what, what is the freedom. So they would have these summits as they would come together and they would uh, all have their attorneys with them. And I was asked to come in and, and try to help them communicate with each other. And um, one of my great, uh, this is something I take great pride in, is that after three years of working with them, they came back together without their attorneys. Hmm. We were able to build enough trust in the room and find common ground uh, that they could come together on and and find ways to support each other. And and I think it was it was this iterative process of listening, going back, reflecting, coming back, saying, this is what we hear. Is this what you mean? Could it be this? And, and working through that to finally get to a point where they really could have a common base of understanding. Um, it worked beautifully then, but you know, there are other situations where uh, emotions can get so intense. Um, um, a much more current situation has been working in the same kind of um uh, with, a, with a national group, actually, that has been struggling with issues related to LGBTQ concerns and policies and a uh, range of perspectives on that within a large membership organization. And maybe partly because it's national and people aren't together, they're not able to see each other face to face. It's just hard. Um, but it's worth continuing to work on. Indeed, and I think it's a place where the working world is going, right? Being Needing to be able to facilitate these complex conversations from a distance and afar, and it's something certainly that I've seen our clients and I've seen Common Impact struggle with it uh, because there's just some intangible that you get from being in person with people when you're developing relationships and you're doing the hard work of looking outside of your own silo, right? Right. So shifting gears a little bit to service and volunteerism, we've had the pleasure of working together across a couple of different projects and Common Impacts programs are focused on talent and leadership development, both of our nonprofit clients and also our corporate clients at, with skills-based volunteerism being the mechanism where we really firmly believe it's not just quote-unquote service 
where the corporate employees are giving to the nonprofits that we partner with, but that there's a real skill exchange and share. And would love to just hear the story of how you first came to Common Impact, what your experience has been, if you've seen that skill sharing come to life. Absolutely. We, um, we had done a little bit of partnering with Fidelity Investments here um, with relationship to our Leader Kids program, which is for underperforming eighth graders. And they were a, a great partner, so they knew a little bit about us and suggested to Common Impact that we be invited to apply. And I'm so grateful to them for that. That was the first I'd ever heard of Common Impact and what it did. And our first project was um, to decide on a new database management system. We had one that was driving us crazy and and really um, did not have the expertise within our staff to uh, be able to assess and know exactly what we needed. Were we going to need to spend a fortune and have somebody build something from scratch? Was there some off-the-shelf program we were going to be able to buy cheaply? And you know, just what did we need? And so this team from Fidelity Investments was just wonderful in uh, spending the time with us to understand who we are and how we work and how our members are related to us and how the programs uh, function. And and then we're able to I, uh, sort of develop a matrix, I guess, of things that we would need in a database management system in order to support that structure and the way we work and some of the things that are requirements for us. And um, then after that, they uh, identified a number of options. They knew where to look to find different possibilities for us. And then they were able to kind of look behind the black curtain at the technology and all of those things that we wouldn't have had any idea how to look at to assess whether it was going to work for us as it was, whether we would need to make some adjustments, whether it would work at all, you know, and just did a marvelous job of identifying a product that we were able to buy, we are using now, and it functions for us and gives us so much more capability than we had. So we were thrilled with that first experience. And as I understand it, that team was a part of, and I'm going blank on the name, but it's a group within Fidelity Investments of first year employees and they want them to be in a situation where they are developing and growing and being kind of affirmed. And so it was exciting for us to feel like we were helping mm -hmm. them grow because they were certainly helping us grow. So we, that was a great start. And as you say, we've done four more and they've been all just excellent. Yeah. It, that's the, the LEAP program where for the most part, these employees are in their first couple of months at Fidelity and often their first couple of months of being in the workforce and so have an incredible learning curve ahead of them in terms of what it's like to have clients and be in the workplace and start to manage and lead projects and people. 
but they have incredible depth in terms of their technical capability. One, because they're of a generation where you just have that <laughs> a generation of which I am not a part. And there's also deep university expertise that has been bestowed. And so um, it, it's, it, it's one of our best in class examples of a real marriage of skills and competencies on both sides. And you know, that leads me to a question that I would love your take on, you know, as you know, the nonprofit sector has very limited resources for capacity building in general and leadership development being one, but technology certain, certainly being another. There are there are product donations that come in from companies. There are lower cost cloud options for nonprofits, but overall getting expertise and real power behind st the strategic use of technology to scale your programs, not something that is a low hanging fruit for nonprofits. And would love to hear how you guys think about capacity building in general. You are in many ways, a capacity building organization yourself. And if you're anything like Common Impact, capacity building for yourself is hard, <laughs> no matter how much you, you teach it. And um, would love to just hear how you approach make space for capacity building, because clearly you have. Well, I have to tell you, Common Impact has been our primary resource for that. And I sing your praises all the time to other nonprofits saying, check this out and see if there's a possibility there. Uh, because you're absolutely right. Um, you know, even in fundraising, trying to get resources to fund some of that, it's hard to find funding for operational capacity building uh, aspects of an organization. Most funders want to be connected with an actual program that they can connect with and, you know, feed their heart. It's a little hard to say, you know, wouldn't you just love to take a look at our database management right. system? <laughs> so, um, we, uh, I do try with our staff to provide opportunities. One of one of the things that we're very fortunate is that our um, National Association of Leadership Programs is a is a great resource of um, just uh, open sharing of ideas and suggestions and uh, people who are willing to uh, say, we tried this and it worked. You want to try, you know, if you tried this, well, I'll help you. I can give you some uh, assistance and that's been a, a wonderful resource for us as well we are you mentioned that we're doing that we are a capacity building organization and we are um starting a, an exciting new venture uh this year actually it's a joint venture with our united way uh here in tarrant county to provide board support for nonprofits, both uh, board uh, matching people who are interested in serving on a board and boards who need people who are more diverse, have the kinds of uh, skills and connections and capabilities that they need, but they don't know off the top of their heads. And with governance training before uh, an individual can be in the bank, some basic governance expertise before the board can be in the bank. 
but we're excited about being able to provide that support to other nonprofits. That's really exciting. That's uh, almost a perfect intersection of the work that you do and service and pro bono, the work that we do. You know, I, I often think about board service as the ultimate pro bono experience where you're really dedicating time and skills in an incredibly strategic way to a nonprofit. What have you found as you're thinking about you know, counseling nonprofits on you know, who's the right fit? The, the board relationship is so important and it can often be hard, right, to for nonprofits to identify board members and for board members to identify nonprofits. How do you um, think about what creates those strong connections? Well, I think boards, uh, good boards have learned to be pretty um, strategic in assessing what skills they need. I mean, clearly there are some basic uh, skills that you want to have represented on your board, everything from legal to financial to marketing um, to some program passion, those kinds of things. Uh, but also, do you represent the population that you serve? Or what is your gender mix? What is your ethnicity mix? What uh, What's the geography mix? Uh, and so looking at all those pieces uh, can become a pretty complex puzzle, but uh, an important one, I think, for boards to assess because of the conversation we had earlier. You want the diverse perspectives from all of those aspects to come together to help you make the decisions. So that's what we're, we're hoping this, this board bank is going to help facilitate that, to help uh, the boards themselves think strategically and then to be able to look at the individuals who are interested in serving, who want to be able to know that they are contributing in a way that they uniquely are needed. Absolutely. Well, that's really exciting to hear. And I will stay tuned to, uh, to see how that unfolds. Would love to see how and where that goes, because it's it's such a need in the space. And you know, I think more broadly, when we think about service and volunteerism, what we see is almost a heartbreaking story where there are so many people who are excited to serve and don't know how to make the connection. And I think that's true of board service and it's true of hands-on and skills-based and pro bono and everything in between. The, the, the groups and the forums and the ways in which we can make the connection are the single biggest way to have impact in that space because so many people have incredible intention and will make the time to give back if they know how and where. We, we started a, a program for young professionals oh, about 10 years ago now, but we were doing uh, focus groups talking to that age group about were they interested and what did they needed. One of the comments that I loved was, we want to be at the table but we don't know where the table is. <laughs> That's perfect. So, I've got the I know I can do something good. Where do I go to do it? Right. So, and that table wants yeah. them. But yeah. Yes, yeah. it does. It's so funny. I, that, I love that phrase. <laughs> it's perfect. What's the best part of your day? Oh, my goodness. Well, I, I because you, let me see some of these questions in advance. My first reaction when I saw that was I, I work from home. And so really the best part of my day is when my husband arrives home. 
Uh, unfortunately, that doesn't always mean it's the end of my work day. Um, but anyway, that's that's always a nice marker. Aside from that, the 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 part of uh, what I do that I guess energizes me is uh, the opportunity to work with these people who've committed themselves to doing something for Fort Worth. And they're volunteers who are just giving of their time so freely and generously and um, conscientiously. And it's just great to get together with them and strategize and think about what needs to happen and how can we do it. Uh, to work with companies that have made that kind of commitment too, that they have a real sense of social consciousness and they want to find ways to open up doors for their employees to make a difference and for them as corporate citizens to make a difference. Those will lift your spirits. Right. And knowing that you're helping to activate them, right? That you're you're helping direct that energy, that passion, that skill towards a place where they can make real change in the world, greasing the tracks, as it were, uh, must be incredibly rewarding. It is. It's exciting. Well, thank you so much, Harriet, for joining us today to give us just a snippet of your everyday and, and what you've done and what you're doing to support leaders in the Fort Worth area. Your work just continues to inspire me. And I hope that in another five engagements, we get to have this conversation again and talk more sexy technology work. <laughs> I like that five more engagements idea. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. Thanks so much for listening to Pro Bono Perspectives today. If you like our show and want to learn more, check out our website at www.commonimpact.org. Leave us a review and tell your friends and colleagues about us. Tune into our upcoming episodes to hear from everyday leaders using their skills to help their community.